Father, thank you so much that you love us, you know us, you know what we need. And uh, sometimes, um, well, we, we don't know, but we're a little uncomfortable sometimes with what we need. I pray that you would use your word now, that it would um, draw us deeper into your heart, deeper into not just a relationship with you, but the strengthening of that relationship, because, boy, we need that. Uh, You know what's ahead for us. We don't, and I'm so grateful that sometimes you don't let us know because we'd be a wreck. I pray that you would teach us from your word more of your heart, more of your love, more of your grace, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right, we're going to be in Colossians. I should have went there. Now we're going to be in Colossians uh, chapter 2. If you want to turn to to that and however you do it, if it's a pew Bible, it's page 1084. One of the problems with preaching through a book is that uh, we sometimes miss the flow and the connections from week to week. And, uh, and, you know, so that makes it a little more difficult. Today I'm going to start reading. I'm actually going to start back in uh, chapter 1, verse 24. So if you want to back up to that spot. Uh, Colossians chapter 1 verse 24. It'll help us grab the flow of the book just a little bit better uh, there. So follow along. Verse 24, he says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for you, and I am completing in my flesh what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for his body, that is the church. I have become its servant according to God's administration that was given to me for you to make God's message fully known, the mystery hidden before the ages and generations but now revealed in his saints. God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. I labor for this, striving with his strength that works powerfully in me. Now, we covered these verses last week. Uh, you can watch it online or watch or listen to it online uh, if you want. And as we did that, you know, we saw this this whole thrust of suffering a little bit here. And as he talks about suffering, you know, he rejoices in his sufferings, an odd thing for us to think about. Uh, we realize God can use sufferings for good in our lives, often does use suffering for good in our lives. And su- suffering is a natural part of life. It happens for everyone, Christian and non-Christian alike. Suffering is a part of life uh, because what we're doing is we're living in the time of consequence you know, from that sin in the garden. Everything is affected. We are living in that consequence of the sin you know, that, that happened in the garden, and it's all affected. But in spite of that, and sometimes because of that, your life can help others uh, come to know God more fully as they see you, as they see how you're living your life. You know, because faith is, you know, faith, faith is, is that right living because you believe the right things. And what we do is we proclaim Christ, you know, what a Savior He is. We should naturally talk about Him, about what a Savior He is. If you hang out with me for too long, it won't be long before you hear about Jenny and my family. Because it is natural for me to talk about them. It's the same thing in our relationship with Christ, and we proclaim Him. You know, and remember, in every situation, no matter what you're facing, no matter, you know, whether it's a, a troubling time or whether it's a good time, you're never alone. God is always with you. So follow him, live for him, even through the pain. Now, we don't know how or when God wants to use us. You know, that we, we don't know, but we do know we need to follow God. We need to live for him, even in the pain, even through the pain. 
That's what we looked at last week. Now, Paul continues that thought into chapter 2. Now, when Paul wrote it, he didn't put in chapter 2, verse 1. He didn't do that. Paul wrote this as one long flowing letter. Now, it was later, you know, it was centuries later that somebody thought, hey, you know, so we can all get to the same place. Let's number these babies. And so they did. You know, they broke the, they broke the books down into chapters and then verses so that we could follow along. Now, you know, the, the chapter and verses markings aren't inspired. The words, the, the verses themselves are, but those markings aren't. So as Paul was writing this, you know, it, there was no pause between what we just read and what we're going into. It flowed right through. So with that big pause, let's pick up with verse 1. He says, For I wanted you to know how great a struggle I have for you, for those in Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me in person. I want their hearts to be encouraged and joined together in love so that they may have all the riches of assured understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery, Christ. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in him. Now, we're going to stop there. I had hoped that we were going to get further, but as I was pulling this together, um, we won't. So, uh, these, these folks had never seen Paul in person. He had not been, he had not been to Colossae. He had not been there. He did not, you know, he didn't start this church as he was on his ministry. He didn't, you know, they, they didn't see him in person and he even mentions that. Yet they had, you know, he had an influence on them. And he worked at that. He worked had to be an influence. He worked to be a good influence, if you will. It wasn't by accident. Notice what he says. You know, it was intentional effort by Paul. He said, I want you to know. I want, what do you want people to know? We do this. In every single conversation you have, you're trying to get a point across. I mean, you are. And no matter what it is that you're doing, you are trying to get a point across. You want people to know something. What is it, you know, what is it that you could say? What is it that you could, that you, that, you know, that if you were to sum up, what is it that you would say that I want, I want you to know? This is how Paul, you know, this is how Paul brings us up here. Here's something I, here is something, you know, you have, you got to know this. This is important. He says, you know, you have to know this. I want you, I want you to know. You know, I, I, I really want you to know. When I think about some of the things I want people to know, I should just keep my mouth shut. Sometimes, I mean, I really should. Now, Ginny and I aren't the only couple that do this. You do it, you know, with your spouse. You do it with your family. You do it with your friends. Um, I want to say something to you without having to say it. Yeah, see, I mean, you know, we, we do this. So we'll say, you know, whatever it is, you know, but because what we really want to do is we want them to know it. Oh, I picked up your socks. Or we'll say, oh, were these your socks? In other words, what we're saying is pick up after yourself. Yeah, but we don't want to say that. You know, but we, so we come here. What is it? What is it that I want you to know? Now here Paul says, he says, I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you. The word that is translated here, great struggle, it was a word that they used to describe intense competition. That expending of great 
effort, you know, of, of great maximum energy, maximum effort. <coughs> I want you to know how, how, what I am really pushing out for you here. You know, what, 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 is, what is really coming out? You know, because he's doing this on purpose. We need to make an intentional effort to make Christ known. Make that intentional effort to make Christ known. I really have to ask myself when I was studying this, how willing am I to be inconvenienced? We're not even talking about great effort here. We don't even want to be inconvenienced. How willing am I to be inconvenienced? And then, how willing am I to put forth great effort for someone? How willing am I to put forth that maximum, that maximum effort, that maximum energy? How much, you know, what, what kind of effort am I willing to put forth? And I'm embarrassed to say sometimes... I fall pitifully short of this, of what God has called me to. Pitifully short. His efforts here were other-focused. Did you notice that? They were other-focused. They weren't focused on his own comfort. You see, we focus, we, we are consumed with our own comfort sometimes. And what he says here is, I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you, how much I'm pushing, what great intense effort I'm putting out. You know, and he wasn't focused on his own comfort at all. His, his efforts were focused on others. Others coming to know Christ was more important to him than self-indulgence. Others coming to know Christ was more important to him than his own comfort, than his own ease. Then his, then his own fill it in, you know, fill in that blank for you. He wanted others to know Christ. I want you to know. I want you to know Christ, he says. And so that means I have to put forth this effort to do it. If that's what I really want, I gotta put forth this effort to do it. And I'm gonna put forth more than just an effort. I'm gonna put forth this maximum effort, this maximum struggle. I'm gonna expend all I can to, in order to make that happen. And this was for people he never even met. People he never saw face to face. He didn't know them. He knew about them. He didn't know them. And he's putting forth this effort so that they might know Christ. Now he's telling them this, not so that they would be obligated to him. That isn't what he was trying to do. You know, sometimes we'll do that. We'll, we'll tell people those things so they feel a little obligated to us. And, you know, that it's turns into all about us. That's not, that's not what he was doing here at all, you know. Uh, I was looking at this, and here's where I got hung up and why we're not going to get past uh, verse 3. Because I I, I really um, was kind of paused a bit there at at verse 2. Because as I was looking at that, it seemed to me that he he laid, I I see at least four reasons there that he was putting out this effort. Four goals, if you will, um, that he had in this effort. Notice what he says, first of all. He says, so that their hearts would be encouraged you know we all need encouragers every single one of us needs encouragers you know one of the reasons this probably stuck out to me is one of my prayers recently um, 
over and over again when Ginny and I pray together. Uh, you know, we, and one of the things we pray for is our family. And I have been praying over and over and over again that God will bring encouragers into my grandchildren's life and into my children's lives and their spouses' lives. I don't know if you remember what it was like to be in school and what it was like to be in middle school and high school. Those are not encouraging places. And I have been praying that God would bring encouragers into their lives and that he would help me to be one of those encouragers. Not the one who always tells them everything they're doing wrong. You know, it's, I can be grumpy grandpa sometimes. You know, I can't. There's, there's no question about it. I can be grumpy grandpa. But you know what I want to be known as? The guy who was for them. The guy who was cheering them on. You know, the guy who was spurring them on to love and good works. Ryan had a soccer game yesterday. It was his last soccer game of the year. Praise God! Anyway, um, it was... Hey, be honest. You're like that, too. Day after last band competition, you're going to be doing the happy dance. Uh, so we're sitting, you know, we're sitting right about midfield. And um, at Ryan's age, he turned eight yesterday. So, you know, you got seven, eight-year-olds playing. It is the most polite soccer game you've ever seen in your life. You know, and they all kick, and then they get to a point, and the ball's there in the middle, and they're all standing around in a circle. So, Grandpa on the side yelling, kick it! Kick it! Anybody, kick that ball! One of you, kick that ball! And so, I usually put them to sleep, sorry. I usually put them to sleep. Don't, don't, don't kick the baby. Apologize to that kid. So Ryan gets the ball down at the one end. And, you know, and usually they give it a kick or two. And so they're on the side of the field by me now. And so he's, he kicks the ball and I'm yelling, Kick it again! Get that ball! Get the ball! All the way. This is the first time I've ever seen him do this. And he went from one end of that, of that soccer pitch to the other end, kicking that ball the whole way and even, even kick it toward the goal. Now the goalie stopped it and I wanted to go out and beat up that little kid, but I didn't. The, um, so, all the way, you know, and I'm just yelling at him. I'm encouraging him all the way, you know, kick that ball, get that ball, kick that ball, get that ball, go, 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 all the way down there. And when it was over, Andy's standing behind us and he said, that was all Papa. He said it was. Uh, they need encouragers to do the right thing. Help them. Be their biggest cheerleader. He said, you know. He said, I want your hearts to be encouraged. You know, your hearts are encouraged when you realize somebody actually cares about you, cares for you wants you to do well to know you're out that your outcome matters to them uh, the first marathon i ran was the chicago marathon i lined up with 43,000 of my closest friends and uh, we took off running 26.2 miles 
you know, through Chicago and around Chicago. And as I ran, there was 1.7 million spectators. Now, I know that because I had nothing else to do, and I counted them as I ran by. I just took their word for what was in the paper. I just, you know, that's what I did. I knew my family was going to be there. Now, you know, it, it, what, what happened was the, the guys that I was running with, we stayed downtown at a, at a motel right near the starting line. My family stayed out with my mom. You know, and, and so then they drove in to watch me run this marathon. So I knew the family was there somewhere. So as I'm running, you know, and there's just, it, the, it, everything's it's lined with people everywhere. And, I, you know, I didn't see them. I, I, you know, I didn't see him and I've run for, I was running for over four hours and I never saw him, you know, never saw him at all. And we're, you're coming down along Lakeshore Drive and then you go by McCormick Place and you're running from the lake and then you make this turn and you start to come in toward the park. When you make that turn, uh, the police are there. Now the police are there because in the other part of the race, really some, somebody can, Come and run along with you, you know, to kind of encourage you a little bit and that. And, um, you know, but so they're kicking everybody else off who's not part of the race. That's the only part. You have this one short section, the only part where there's no spectators because, you know, they're separating the wheat from the chaff. I don't know. Anyway, you know, so, you know, we're running. Now, when you run, there's people that yell encouraging, you know, encourage you all the way along. And they usually, whatever's written on your shirt or something, that's what they say, you know. And there's a guy from Grable that ran a marathon, and he wrote, he wore a shirt that said Jesus because as he was running, he wanted, you know, he wanted people, he wanted to hear people, you know, go Jesus, you know, come on, Jesus, go for it. And I just couldn't do that because I just, uh, I, I'm embarrassed, you know. I just didn't want people calling me that. So anyway, I, I don't even remember what I had on, but people yell encouraging things. Well, so we turn and then we come up and as we come up from under this, under this little uh, bridge, now there's iron fencing, the kind, you know, to keep the crowds back because you're coming toward the finish line. So the, the, the course is now lined with iron fencing. As I came up for that last turn to go into the park, there's Jeannie. Jenny and Marcy and, and Peter standing there, right on that fence, cheering me on. And I turned a corner, and I'm running in toward the finish line. And I'm about a, 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 not even 100 feet from that finish line. And they have bleachers set up, these huge bleachers. And, you know, it's just full of people. And the noise, it's just unbelievable. Everybody yelling and screaming and cheering. And as I'm probably 50 feet from the finish line, I hear Patrick Ryan, and I turn and look, and there was Mandy and my nephew cheering me on. What a weary soul needed at that point, you know, was to know somebody cared. I've run, I've run seven marathons. Ginny's been at every single one. Not because she likes to run, but because she loves me. And she wants me to know that I'm important to her. This is what he's telling us. Everyone needs 
encouragement. Everyone needs to know they matter. Make it your goal to sincerely, to intentionally encourage others' hearts. Encourage them. Let them know they matter. Let them know that you notice. There are weary people out there. Encourage them. Encourage them. Paul put forth extended effort here because he wanted their hearts to be encouraged. The second thing I noticed in that verse there is he said, so that they will be joined together in love. Some of the translations word this as knit together in love or united. That knit together in love, that is a great picture. Because this word means, you know, to, to come together, to coalesce, to cause to come together as one. That's what this word means. And when I think of something being knit together, and now I, I, I don't knit, so, you know, if I get this wrong, it's okay. Just don't correct me later. Just go with it. But, you know, so when you knit, you, you're taking this one long string, and what you're doing, you know, or these couple long strings, and you're, you're, and it comes out, and it's a shirt, you know, or pants or whatever i can't believe some of the stuff that deb knits you know she wears this sweater and you know it looks like it came from the store and she knit that thing and it's like if i did it you know this arm would be long and it'd be hanging up but it pulls it together as one thing and this is what he's saying this is the picture this is the picture that we have it's a great it's the same word used in ephesians chapter four he says from him the whole body fitted and knit together Fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament promotes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love and the proper work of each individual part. He says, you know, that this is what it is. <coughs> and he says, as, as you know, as, as it comes, it, it, it comes together and we are more complete. We are more complete together than we could ever be on our own. This, 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 this whole, you know, we, we get confused and we begin thinking that we can, you know, we can be a good, solid Christian on our own. That's a lie that the devil wants you to believe. That is a lie the devil wants you to believe that you can be a good, great Christian all on your own without gathering together as he calls us to. That, that's just a lie from the devil. Over and over again, the Bible describes the church as a body of Christ and using the body as an illustration of the unity, the codependence, you know, that God intends for us to have as his people. One of the passages that, that I think really brings us out, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he says, For as the body is one, and has many parts, and all of the parts of that body, though many are one body, so also is Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slave or free, we were all made to drink of one spirit. So the body is not one part, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, in spite of this, it still belongs to the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, in spite of this, it still belongs to the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. And if they were all the same part, where would the body be? Now there are many parts, yet one body. So the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. But even more, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are necessary. 
those parts of the body that we think are less honorable, we clothe with, great, with greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have a better presentation. But our presentable parts have no need for clothing. Instead, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable, so that there will be no division. No division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other, so that if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ, an individual members of it we are more complete together than we could ever be on our own this is the way god intended it so put forth great effort struggle extend expend yourself so that we might be joined together in love now this is this is more than simply being in the same building this is joined together in love. Love, that's, that's that same word, that's that word, you know, agape. You've heard that before. You know, that's that same word. Those, it speaks of those choices and actions that are done, that work that is done for the betterment of the other person. Not for self at all. Not for any regard for return. But you, you, knit to, you know that they are joined together in love because of those extra efforts extended for the other person, not for what we personally get out of it. You know, these areas, you know, these areas, you know, he and we, you know, what Paul is writing, but also for us, we're to put forth extended effort in. They're not independent of each other. They're all tied together. The third part of that verse that stuck out to me, it says, so that they may have all the riches of assured understanding. New American Standard Bible words it uh, uh, expands on it a little bit, which is kind of unusual for the New American Standard. Anyway, tries to capture a bit of a fuller picture. It says that they would attain to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding. You know what what he's talking about here. You know that they'll have all the riches of assured understanding. That it takes us deeper. It takes us, you know, into a deeper, it's, it's deeper than simply an expanded knowledge. It's deeper than a fuller knowledge. He's, he's, it takes us to a knowledge that guides us, that affects our life, that affects our everyday living. It's more than, than merely believing the right things. Don't ever think that, that faith and saving faith is simply believing the right things. Because God warns us, you know, James says, you believe that God is one, you do well. The demons believe. And shudder while they believe. What, what, what he's talking about here is that head knowledge. We touched on this reality last week, you know, as we looked at these verses just before us. Faith in God is more than believing the right things. It is more than that. It is living the right way because you believe the right things. It is, it is that knowledge that affects my living, that affects what I do, that affects what I am, that affects how I live. And this is, this is the faith that he's talking about here. It's always something you, faith is always something you live out. Always. And you say those who don't have faith in God, well, they're living out the faith that God is not real. That's what they're living out. It, it always, you know, so if, if your faith doesn't, you know, if the faith you have in God, if it's not, a sh- if it's not shaping, you know, your living, then it's, it's not true faith. It's merely your hobby. It's merely what you do as a religious thing if it's not shaping your life. God wants us, what it says here, God wants us to have all the riches of assured understanding. That's what he wants for us. This is knowing that you know that you know that you know God is real. 
You know that, that you know, and there's no doubt in your mind. <clears throat> you know those things, and you know that he loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And you know that, you know that, you know that you have that eternal life in Christ and in Christ alone. And you have that life in him, and you know that you know that. There's, you know, there's that picture of having all the riches of assured understanding. Now, he didn't do this simply because you deserve it. He did this because he is God and we needed it. Christ went to the cross because he's God, not, be, you know, not because we're, you know, not even because we're such pitiful people, but because he's God and he knows we needed it and he went there for us. And you don't waver in that belief. You have all the riches of assured understanding. And that belief guides, shapes, directs your life. Helps you to be the person you are. Helps you in your living. Even in the tough times, don't waver. Are we perfect at this? No. No, no, we're not. But can we be solid in our faith? Yes. Yes, we can be. Even though we're not, even though we're not perfect at this, we can be solid in knowing that God is real and solid in knowing that we have eternal life and we can have all the riches of assured understanding. And it comes... As we put forth this intentional effort, which, he, which is what we started with as we began this chapter. You put, as you put forth that intentional extended effort to help each other grow, that you gather together to grow, you gather together to encourage one another, you do those things, and this is, this is what comes from it. <clears throat> They're meant to lead us into experiencing the fourth thing that stuck out to me here. And Paul tells us why he extended such effort. So that they could have the knowledge of God's mystery. <coughs> Christ. He says so that we can have the knowledge of God's mystery. Christ. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> don't you wish you had one of these? Bring one next week. It's okay. Just don't spill it in the pew. <coughs> the goal is that they'll come to know Christ. There's the goal. That they'll come to know Christ. Of all the things you can teach people, of everything, anything you can teach people, without them knowing Christ, then all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in him, it says. Anything you can teach people are incomplete without the knowledge of Christ. You know, it's incomplete if without that knowledge of Christ. All of what we've been looking at is only complete with Christ. That's the only way it becomes complete. Our intentional efforts to make Christ known. We need to sincerely encourage others in Christ. We, you know, we can only be properly joined together in love through Christ. We know God is real and we have eternal life only in Christ. Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, same words. One's Hebrew, one's Greek. Messiah, Christ. You know, Hebrew, Greek, and, and that he is the anointed one, the one that God himself, you know, said, and, and God himself came to earth. We're, you know, we're getting closer to Christmas than some of us want to admit at this point. But you know, the, he, God himself came down to earth to live among us, to live as one of us, to give his life on the cross for our sins so that we can be forgiven even more, even more than being forgiven so that we can live for him, so that we can live with him, so that we can live in him, so that we can live through him. 
For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you, for those in Laodicea and for all those who have not seen me in person. I want their hearts to be encouraged and joined together in love so that they may have all the riches of assured understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery, Christ. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in him. Know Christ. Live in Christ. Help others to know Christ. Follow Christ. Let's pray. Father, what a great gift you have given us in salvation and that gift of Christ. Not because we deserve it, but because you are God. Father, I have to admit, sometimes I just flat out get tired. I get aggravated. I get disgusted. I get selfish. That's not how you want me to be. You want me to put forth effort, maximum effort, intentional effort, on purpose that others might come to know Christ might come to live in Him, might come to grow in Him, might come to know Him more fully. Help that to be our life. Help that to be what we do and who we are. Thank you for those who have come into my life and encouraged me. For those who have helped me to grow. Helped me to get to that place where I know that I know that I know you are real. And that I have life in Christ. Guide us that we can help others grow to that place and we can help others come to know you. For your glory and honor we pray in his name. Amen.